This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Everybody, welcome to Stop Homer Time, a podcast from the boys at Overdue, which is a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And Andrew, we're back here. Many folks have probably listened to episode zero, but if they didn't, mm-hmm. what are we talking about? We're talking about the Iliad, as oh. translated. The Iliad, you know, from school and, <laughs> and literature, yeah. as translated by Emily Wilson, friend of the show. Yep. Who also translated the Odyssey several years ago. We read that. We had a good time. Mm-hmm. Come back to read this, and yep. hopefully have another good time, a slightly different good time. Yes. And what we've done, if you really have... Iliad has three point nine out of five stars on Goodreads. Come like, on. there's no, there's no pleasing anybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I would be interested to know what people's complaints are. Like, I'd are... like to read the three star good. Actually, not right now, and so we're not going to sing the song. I would like to read the three star Goodreads reviews for the Iliad yeah. for people who are like. Yeah, this is okay, but like, <laughs> what did they think it was going to be? I didn't like the characterization. There's not enough explosions. Well, There's I no mean, no the Trojan horse doesn't even show up. That's that, probably a big one. Yeah, that's probably a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and the like, is this the story about war that I thought it was going to be? Is probably a probably hits for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk in our episode zero about you know Homer again about where this comes from we talk about wilson's translator note and and introduction so go back and listen to that if you have not already we really just wanted to like dive in i think with these yeah um so here we go we're covering books one and books two Mm -hmm. books one and books two book one and book two books Mm -hmm. one and two Mm -hmm. one of the one pick one of those (laughs) (laughs) um and so let me give you a top level summary of book one. Andrew's going to fact check me in case I Love miss anything mm-hmm. um, just to set the table and then we can kind of pick it apart and then we'll do the same for book two. So okay. and then let's also uh, read Wilson's uh, names for each book because I don't those I believe translators just come up with those. To, oh, like, can you tell me the name for book one? The name for book one is The Quarrel. The Quarrel. OK, mm-hmm. great. Uh, starting in the ninth year of the Trojan War, the muse takes us, well, the, the poet invokes the muse and takes us to Agamemnon and Achilles arguing among the Greeks. I don't know if we mentioned, I'm interrupting my own thing here. Yeah, you're interrupting your thing. You had Wh- plans for this this thing. I you did, came with, Wilson. You came to me with this thing. And you're <laughs> <laughs> this is good content. Uh-huh. Wilson refers to the Achaeans as the Greeks, or, you know, whatever. I think it's Achaeans. But I could be wrong. Uh, well, that's why we say Greeks. Agamemnon <laughs> refuses to give up the daughter of a priest of Apollo uh, that he captured in war. And so Apollo is ravaging the Greeks with plague. Achilles asks, what's up with that? And Agamemnon says he'll only give her up if he can have someone else's prize, like Achilles' prize, Briseis. Uh, Achilles does not stop him. 
but he does get so mad that he quits the war. He gets big mad. Temporarily? He then continu- He then cries to his sea goddess mom that he would really like it if the Trojans punished the Greeks for their insolence and disrespect, and wouldn't it just be nice if she enlisted Zeus on her son's behalf? Mm-hmm. Anything I missed? That's Anybody? pretty... That you, that, those are the big beats. Those okay. are the big beats. Is okay, good. Two boy- <laughs> and, okay, so tell me... I don't know that we need to do a full, like, Team Edward, Team Jacob on this, but... <laughs> Are we Team Agamemnon or Team Achilles? Because I think that Achilles honestly brings up some pretty good points. I can never be Team Agamemnon. No, Agamemnon. If you don't know, okay, so he's the he's the leader of the Greeks. He's the you know big big proud general boy. Um, he's comes from like an ambitious heritage. He's referred to as the shepherd of the people, lord of lords, lord of men. Um, maybe I'm just informed by other stories. Where Agamemnon killed his daughter Iphigenia to to please a goddess. Uh huh. I mean, you may- gotta you gotta please the goddesses though. You do. We've talked about that That's on Stop Homer Time before, where you gotta be nice to everybody all the time because they could be a god just ready to to screw with your entire life if you I, don't like burn them the right cow or whatever. I I just enough. I've in, I've consumed enough anti Agamemnon media. I suppose. Uh-huh. <laughs> That while there is a point in this book where Achilles does become a bit of a whiny boy. He does. Yeah. The longer he goes, the whinier he gets, which, yeah, it keeps but it me sounds... from being like fully team Achilles. But I think Achilles <laughs> starts on pretty reasonable footing. Yeah. So do you want to lay that out a little bit? Like, what are his complaints? I mean, Agamemnon is, uh, what is he doing? He's, he He's refusing to, like, solve the problem. Which is that there's plague. Yes, okay, yes. So there, there's a plague and and Apollo is doing it and a priest of Apollo comes and says, hey, Agamemnon, could you like give me my daughter back? Because it's uh, Chryseis who yes. had been taken by Agamemnon as his trophy. Uh, Wilson talks in her translators note a lot about women being referred to as trophies. They're just kind of semi-interchangeable spoils of war a lot of the time, women especially are like in this case. Allow- in this... St- in this poem, they are allowed to grieve mm-hmm. and be, you know, captured. And that's yeah. kind of it. Yeah. And so, and the prophet is like, hey, can you give me my give me my daughter back? And Agamemnon says, no, I'm not going to do that. And so the, the prophet asks Apollo, hey, can you rain uh, terror down on these Greeks? And all, all Agamemnon has to do is give him his daughter back and apologize. And Agamemnon... Is very mad. Now go find me another trophy so I'm not the only Greek commander who lacks a trophy. Yep. That would be unfair. You can see you can all see my trophy going elsewhere. This big whiny baby just wants (laughs) just wants his woman trophy. Yeah, and I just I was really struck this read by like, hey, let me tell you the story of the Trojan War. But what I'm really going to open with is two whiny baby We're boys. We're going to open nine years in with these two big babies. <laughs> and Achilles, Achilles starts off on pretty good on yes. pretty good footing. He said, Lord, yeah. Lord Agamemnon, son of Atreus, no one is more acquisitive than you. How Ooh. can the valiant Greeks give you a trophy? We see no heaps of treasure lying around ready to be divided up. The wealth that we have looted from the Dang. neighboring towns has been shared out. 
Share it out. Uh, you love the phrase "shared out." <laughs> I Wilson guess, got you. And, and no, I think that Emily Wilson probably just did this so that the line would scan. That's what I'm going to tell myself. But <laughs> if you've ever used the word "shared out" in like a professional context, I'm here to tell you that there's a word that already means "shared out," and it's just shared by if, itself. <laughs> if you got to be careful, if you use the phrase "shared out" around Andrew, he will unplug. I your will computer. shake. I will shake a coffee can full of pennies at you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, it has been shared out and it would be unfair to make the Warriors return it all. You have you have to send this woman to the god right now. One day we Greeks will pay you back with treasure worth three times as much or four if ever Zeus permits us to destroy the high-walled town of Troy. So, Agamemnon, if we do this thing that we are all here to do, and we are all here to do it because of you, then we'll give you more on the back end to make up for this, like, minor Do it slight. for points. Yeah. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Nope. Um, Agamemnon, of course, is, is like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and then Achilles gets mad. I did not come to Troy because I wanted to fight against the warriors of Troy. They never did me any harm at all. I came with you, you brazen cheat, to please you, to claim back compensation from the Trojans for Menelaus and for you, you dog face. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I love dog face so much. Well, and, and what Menelaus is uh, the... The person who Agamemnon's brother and the person who Helen left to go be with Paris Mm -hmm. in Troy, Mm -hmm. um, which was part of the whole wedding with the gods. We talked about that in episode zero. Again, not in the book. Again, (laughs) not not really in the book. No, not at all. Um, So, yeah, Agamemnon doesn't want to lose status. Achilles knows he has enough status and also doesn't want to lose it. Mm hmm. And Agamemnon's solution to this problem is, fine, I guess, I'll give her up if I can have someone else's. Yeah, like it's, it is, I I think Agamemnon's being a big baby. I think Achilles starts off okay, but then eventually Achilles gets mad about literally the exact same thing when when Agamemnon (laughs) is like, okay, I'm going to take Briseis. And Athena even comes to Achilles and is like, "Hey, could you not kill Agamemnon?" That you, part you, rules. <laughs> do you want to do you want to get into that? Yeah, do so you have I, any parts of that you want to read? I just wanted to read the the end part that said, "You will receive three times as many gifts one day because you suffered this affront. Listen to me, hold back." Like that, literally the same thing, even the same like number of times worth of things that you'll get. <laughs> that's good. If you can that's just let catch. yourself suffer this one thing right now. <laughs> I don't have text I want to read. I'm glad you read that. It's the like he moves towards Agamemnon, his sword comes out of his hilt like a tiny bit. Scabbard. Or the scabbard. Yeah. The sword, yes. The the hilt moves. That's what yes. the hilt is. Mm-hmm. Um and Athena rushes in and like grabs him by the hair and like pulls him and is like, just what are you doing? <laughs> Stop it. As we hear many times, these Greeks they're long haired, they have flowing long they do have hair. flowing long locks of hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says, like, Hera, like, favors you both, like, you both are super cool, like, let's not ruin a good thing here, um, and we'll see that the gods play more than one side in this Yeah, they, they do a lot of, they do a lot of two and three timing, they, they, they time a lot of people. <laughs> I, I think it is, like, we're, it's just neat to see right away in this book that, like, we are starting with... Apollo has started a plague and Athena is showing up in the middle of this like town hall meeting Mm -hmm. 
to be like, hey, please don't kill that guy. Please don't kill that guy. Even like, Ag- and Agamemnon has, to be clear, like insulted Achilles in like the deepest oh, terms that he knows how to how to do it. Like the the poem starts, "Goddess, sing of the cataclysmic wrath of great Achilles, son of Peleus." We talked a little bit in the Odyssey about like how important those first lines yep. are because it's really define it's defining what the poem is about and defining like the most important characteristic of the character who you're going to be spending most of your mm-hmm. time with. So with the uh, Odysseus, it was all about how he was, you know, he was clever and he also took a long time to get home. <laughs> um, and in this, it's about how Achilles is a mad, mad boy. And Agamemnon at one point, I like this line, your anger does not bother me at all. He says to Ooh. Agamemnon or uh, to Ooh. Achilles. So like this, the mo- the defining thing about you as a person, I don't care about it. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> Yeah, I was really <laughs> struck by the fact that she chose cataclysmic wrath. Every other, any other time I've I've encountered the opening of this poem, it's it's a version of rage. Or when yeah. people mm-hmm. tell this story, they if they are adapting it, they center in on the word rage, and sh- you know it, it's part and parcel with her decision to break from the exact lo- number of lines that she's like, you know. I think cataclysmic wrath does the job. I yeah, think right. that is really what I want to get across here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of neat. I think it's yeah. it's pretty cool. Uh, but so, yeah, he Achilles d- decides to let Agamemnon uh, take his prize. And he also takes his ball and goes home. And yeah. Cannibal know. king, you eat your people up. You are a leader of non-entities. Yeah. <laughs> Love this these classical diss tracks. Yes. They're very good. It mm-hmm. is yeah, it is a bit of a, a rap dog battle. face. Yeah. <laughs> um which I do think yeah, I, I agree with you. Achilles comes out looking better in this conflict. He comes out looking worse when he's sat on the beach, like Skyping with his mom <laughs> before she shows up. <laughs> yeah, tell me about that. So uh Agamemnon's so okay, so like his buddy uh I get. I'm used to Patroclus. I haven't. I didn't think about how it scans. That's Achilles, buddy. Yeah, I think yeah. that's Patroclus. We we could go with that for now and okay, fix great. it later. Fix it later. Fix it in yeah. a future episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, like he gets uh Achilles to go ready, and they give her away to Agamemnon's dudes, and Achilles is like, "Listen, you can take her. You take anything else, and I will kill all of you." And in the meantime, me and my Myrmidons, we're not going to do anything. We're going to sit here and hope for the worst to all of you. <laughs> uh, and then he goes to the beach and he cries and he's sad. And it's mostly about his toy being taken away. Yeah, he's- his toy's been taken away. But, you know, and by extension, we'd talk again more like intro translators note stuff like this is kind of a the way that you show other people that you're like worth something as a leader of yes. of Greeks. So it's not just about having a having a like a bobble taken away. It's also about like grave public insult. But yep. it is hard to in a modern read. It's hard to not to notice the sort of pettiness of the yeah like, of the, of this central conflict that ends up like killing many 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 people. Well, yes, and his um. So his mom shows up, Thetis, the sea goddess. She is like a, she is the the water version of a dryad, whatever She's that. Like a daughter, I think a daughter of Poseidon too. It's pretty yeah. strongly implied. 
Um, if it's not stated the, outright, yeah. One of the prophecies about Achilles, I don't think it's do- it's a lot of things are not covered in this poem, but it was that like he was destined whoever her son would be would like be more powerful than his father. And so the reason that they like married her to a mortal was so that she wouldn't sleep with Zeus and then they would she would give birth yeah. to somebody more powerful than Zeus. Yeah, cuz you know what Zeus is Zeus is always looking over his shoulder and hoping that nobody <laughs> Cronuses him. Yeah, for real. Yeah. We get into that. Um and so his mom, you know, comes out of the ocean and is like, "Oh, my son, you're so sad. What's wrong?" Mm-hmm. And he talks for a long Child, time. Child, why are you crying? What pain has touched your heart? Do not conceal it. Tell me and let us both know. I'm going to say that to Simon the next time he's crying. What pain has touched your heart? <laughs> Tell me and let us it. both know. Yeah. Um, he's going to be like, oh, I, I threw something in the air and it landed on my head. Okay, mm-hmm. that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want a thing, but then I did want it. Oh, man. That's you the s- worst. <laughs> I'm going to cry because you said I could have a thing. Whoops. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> And so he, you know, goes, he, he walks her through what has happened. It, I, I was struck by the, the patronymics of all the son ofs in this poem that are mostly there to like give you lineage and tell you a little bit about like, you know, what kind of mythological heritage these characters are from. But also to tell you, you know, every, all boys. these characters are somebody's fail son. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking. All these, like, all these large adult sons sitting around on the beach crying about stuff. They're all just <laughs> baby boys. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, he took my toy and everyone laughed at me, but they didn't really laugh because they knew I could kill them. But now they're laughing because I'm over here crying. And the, one of the last things he says which really struck me is he says he paid the best Greek fighter no respect. No respect at all. No respect. Rodney Dangerfield's Achilles routine. <laughs> and he success, you know, he says to Thetis, like, listen, mom, you, you know, you get me. You understand what I'm about. Uh, I need you to help me. I need you to make the Greeks suffer. I need you to go talk to Zeus about it. Listen, let's rehash the whole bit where you helped Zeus and like, you know, he you have him on speed dial. He'll listen to you kind of thing. And she's like, all right, my son, I will go do that. I will go talk to Zeus for you. Yeah. yeah. What did Achilles you think asked about- her to go speak to his man, speak to her yeah. manager? <laughs> what did you think about the Zeus stuff? Because this is this is like material that I am a little less familiar with. Uh, having only read the like the full poem once, yeah, and, then, and I I don't remember, and maybe you do. I don't remember how often we see just like the gods hanging out in Olympus in the Odyssey. Like I know we get a lot of Athena, yeah, we get some Poseidon, but I'm not sure how much. Like not a, lot. A, a running theme in the Iliad is like how the human conflict on the ground is also being mirrored in this like smaller conflict between the gods like sm- smaller in terms of like character yes yes <laughs> but like you know larger in the in a cosmic sense i guess but what i am way more familiar with adaptations of the iliad and i feel like this is the stuff that gets cut when you are adapting it to like be a a modern war story starring brad pitt or you know you're trimming it down to like be this kind of focused tale on stage or something mm-hmm. like you don't have time to go to Olympus and this- yeah because so much of what is happening on Olympus is just like it, I'm not going to say it's marking time but it is a lot of it like 
just showing you, oh, the this this tide in the battle is turning one way or another because some god decided to, and they decided to because, like, the last person who talked to them about it wanted them to do something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what um, is the thing you me- you alluded to it earlier? The reason that Zeus ultimately helps Thetis was because he was going to get Cronus. Is that well, what it was? I mean, he's just he's just in general is, is scared of of being Cronus, but I think <laughs> hold on. I think she like freed him cuz like she saved him from something. People and, tied and him a- up. Achilles mentions it at some point. He says uh you quickly summoned up to high Olympus the, hun- the hundred-handed giant who is named Briareus among the gods, but humans call him Aegeon. You called him because his strength is even greater than his father's. He sat by Zeus, exalting his glory. The gods who live at ease were terrified and stopped in their attempt to chain up Zeus. You must remind him now about all this. Mm. So basically, you, you did Zeus a solid. Go tell him that you did it to him, and he'll and go just yeah, just go remind him that he owes you, and then spend that favor on me, please, mommy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing that st- this was a struck me funny in this whole Zeus section, mm-hmm. and I do not remember this at all from any other time I've read the Iliad. Um. Zeus is like, okay, I'll, I will, I will do this. But he's like, listen, lady, I'm, you're gonna make my wife mad. You have imposed on me a dreadful task to make an enemy of Hera, who is always scolding me. Who is always scolding <laughs> this me. marriage? What a honeymooners <laughs> marriage they have. One of these days, Hera. <laughs> uh, and he says, but I will try my best to grant your wish, and so that you will trust me, I shall nod. My firmest guarantee among the gods. When I have nodded with my head, my word is trustworthy, irrevocable, sure. What I have promised must be carried out. You know who I thought of when I read this? I don't know. Who would you think of? Paul Hollywood. I thought of the Paul Hollywood handshake and how it has been devalued in modern Bake Off. And nonetheless... They talk yeah. about Zeus's nod a lot. Yeah. In this book. Yeah. I mean, he's been stingier with it this season, I think. So sure. Far. I think we're caught up. Yeah. Um, he gave out one or two, maybe? He's he he what he does now instead of giving out a bunch of them is he likes to give them out at unusual times. Mm. Like he'll give them out during different parts of the Reasonable. competition. Yeah. Or he'll like come back and be like, I gotta shake your hand. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I was just like, I don't remember this thing about Zeus that he has like a famous <laughs> nod. It's really, I mean, it's a pinky swear sort of thing. But he's like, yeah, and I'm, I'm gonna listen. I can't get you anything in writing. This is classic. This is classic negotiating one one <laughs> stuff. Like, I can't get you anything in writing. But what I will do for you, what I promise I will do, is I will not. <laughs> and my nod is my bond. Yes. <laughs> um, did anything else strike you about this, like? God's section, you know, he talks to Hera, he talks to Thetis, Hephaestus shows up at one point. Yeah, I mean, let's we just talk about Zeus and Hera quickly yeah. and then yeah, yeah. and then move on to, to book two. But Hera basically sees him and instantly clocks that he is up to something. Yeah. <laughs> um, as soon as Hera saw him, she realized that silver-footed Thetis, the child of the old sea god, had plotted with him. <laughs> Immediately she scolded Zeus. So just like he's always saying. By the way, she scolds him (laughs) (laughs) and says, hey, if you are making secret plans, you have to tell me. And Zeus says, do not hear expect to know all my intentions. They are too difficult to understand, even for you, although you are my wife. (laughs) 
Oh my god. Stop asking stop asking me all these questions. If I had anything to share with you, I absolutely would do it. I do think Wilson is doing a great job of making this a really awful marriage that we get to laugh at. You startle me. So this is Zeus. Then Zeus, who gathers clouds together, answered, You startle me. You always have your notions. I never get away with anything. <laughs> Al Bundy Zeus? Yes. But ba- I mean, basically, he's saying, Oh, you got me. But then he goes ahead and does what he wanted, whatever yeah. he wanted to do anyway, yeah. which brings us into book two. Yeah, Unless you Hefe- had other stuff you wanted to just briefly like we do see Hephaestus. Hephaestus will come back later in the poem to mm-hmm. do some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, here he is like, "Hey Hera, can you not fight with Dad, please?" And then he serves everybody wine, and they all laugh at him because he has like a limp. This, you know, the gods. <sighs> There's like more, a- more people trying to talk people into stuff and not succeeding in yeah. changing the course of events is what there, is happening. There's here. like a there's like a um. There's like a very thin parallel, I think, between Hephaestus and Thersites, who's in the next book. Oh, see the guy who everybody yells at? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. he, he is the ugliest of all the Greeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's book two. Zeus gives Agamemnon a oh, this dream. One's called, this one's called The Multitude. The Multitude. Uh, that's, that's a great name for a book series. Somebody pick it up. Um <laughs> Zeus gives Agamemnon a dream of victory at Troy, so Agamemnon rallies his generals. But instead of just moving forward, he decides that he wants to test his troops' resolve. He tells them all to leave and makes his generals bring everyone back. Odysseus leads that charge thanks to Athena and tells a pretty little parable about victory delayed for 10 years. Uh, we'll talk about that. The armies organize themselves by point of origin, which leads to the catalog of ships. Ships? <laughs> Why did I put a T on shipped? Ships. <laughs> that's how. That's Greek. It's ancient Greek. Uh, and uh, the goddess Iris alerts the Trojans, mostly Hector, that the Greeks are coming, uh, which also leads to a catalog of Trojans. Catalog of boys. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, I did not recall this Agamemnon passage at all. This whole like this whole thing with the love dream. inside into the like the god stuff. Yeah, yeah. But but even the like, hey everybody, leave. But Where they, not really. yeah, they do this little reverse psychology play acting thing to like. What is that about? Place. Yeah, like maybe maybe the book will go into this more, or maybe we just need to send Emily Wilson an email and see if she has any theories about it. But like. <laughs> What are these guys sitting around doing all day for nine years? I don't know. They are just like ready to gather together a number of guys who like make the earth groan because there are so many of them walking on. <laughs> like they're yeah. ready to muster those forces in inside of a day. And they're here for nine years. They're here so long that the ships they came in have all like rotted in the in the ocean. Yeah. What are what are they doing all day? Like it is implied very lightly in one like line in this that they're kind of sitting around while leadership argues over strategy all day. That might yeah. be part of it, but the, boy, you had you, Greeks, you had one job. You came here <laughs> 9 years ago. What are you doing? What are you the, still doing here? The two things I could see there are like it's the the thing we open on. It, it's the two things we open on. It's the plague, which has only been going on for like a week and a half. So like, fair enough. <laughs> that hasn't been going on forever. But maybe it's just like the most recent 
Yeah. The most recent thing that's that's bedeviled these Greek heroes. It's, yes. And and to your to what you just said is like the leaders bicker a lot and they probably upset the gods regularly. There's probably lots of, well, we don't, you know, we got to go get that guy and that guy made somebody mad and I don't know, everybody's sleeping for some reason. Um, that, yeah, it is taken. I don't, I wonder at what year in this nine year war everyone is just like, I guess we're going to be here. <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> <laughs> they do reference that. They do at one point, I, I don't remember if it's in the. Agamemnon go home language or if it's in the Odysseus stay here language because that's kind of what happens um, where they talk about like your families are at home your kids are growing up what are you doing here like let's end this thing or go home to them I don't I don't remember where that passage is but that that mm -hmm. stood out to me as well mm -hmm. um, yeah this is like I don't know Agamemnon tells them all to leave Odysseus, like powered by Athena, runs around and is like, "Don't leave! Stop it!" And mm -hmm. like is smacking dudes with a magic stick, mm -hmm. Agamemnon's magic stick <laughs> that he has. Uh, and then they have a big town hall meeting where Thersites uh, complains, and he is like every guy from every sitcom that has ever had a town hall meeting in it. He, what just is that? Standing up and yelling stuff. Yep. What is that guy from Gilmore Girls that nobody likes? Oh, Kent. Kent. Yeah, he kind of got that energy. A little bit of Kent. He, yeah. Foul mouth Thersites. He was the ugliest man who marched on Troy. One of his legs was weak, the other twisted, his shoulders hunched across his chest. His head was pointy, and his sprouts of hair were sparse. It's like classic uh, rolled doll. Like this yep. person is physically unattractive, <laughs> and so you're expected to understand that they are morally deficient in some way. Also, <laughs> I believe Odysseus says, "You are the you are the very worst, in my opinion, of all the mortal men who came to Troy with Agamemnon, son of Atreus." <laughs> I like where I like where Wilson has put the "in my opinion" there. I don't know if that's from the Greek, but it's "you are the very worst, comma in my opinion, comma is." Just Really? Well, I mean, he doesn't want to get sued for <laughs> lie, like defamation or whatever. <laughs> this is just my opinion. This is just this isn't, my this isn't news. This is me. This is me telling you my opinion. You're the worst, oh, ugliest guy who came with us. No, that's <laughs> funny. If you're delivering this dramatically, which which Wilson is very interested in people doing, you could deliver it as if Odysseus says, "You are the very worst," and then he like realizes that he should couch it in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but what is the Odysseus tells a story about like a snake that it's had, just like, being a like a prophecy where yes like, that is about like a snake and eight babies a snake and, yeah eats eight baby birds and then eats the mother bird and then somebody points at the snake and is like that means the Greeks are gonna be in Troy for nine years and then in the tenth year they're gonna raise up and they're gonna win this thing. Now, do we think this happened? I read that and was not sure that it had happened and thought that crafty Odysseus had maybe yeah, talked to the Yeah, I think we got to consider the source on this one. Od Odysseus <laughs> is not... I don't, I don't know that Odysseus is on the level here with this one. He's no. kind of saying what he needs to say to get what he wants, which is what he always does. Yeah, for real. I think um, that's his deal. Yeah. I don't like... We glided over the part at the beginning that we, we don't need oh, to sure like, oh no the dream stuff a bunch of it yeah just like zeus 
So we, we end book one on Zeus, and then in book two, Zeus is like, okay, I'm going to do what I wanted anyway. Yeah. And he yeah, sends yeah. Uh, Agamemnon a dream um, beep, telling beep, beep, him... Beep, beep, beep. Yeah, and this this little chunk of text is repeated like verbatim three times, which was kind of neat. I didn't expect that. Yeah, just basically saying, uh, "Tell me as to arm long-haired Greeks at once." Now is the moment he can capture the Trojan city with its spacious streets. The deathless gods who live on Mount Olympus no longer disagree with one another. Hera appealed to them and changed their minds. Disaster has been fastened to the Trojans. None of this is true. <laughs> no, none of it is true. It's all lies. And I think in the first dream. Uh, like in the dream, Nestor, the old guy, the old wizened, yeah, the dream, veteran. Uh, the dream stood by his head and took the form of Nestor, son yep. of Neleus, the elder who Ag- Agamemnon held in greatest honor. Yes, the the horse um, lord. Yeah, um, and and then Agamemnon's like, yo, I had this cool dream. Had this dream. Somebody told me that we all need to go die because. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Zeus. Cool. Zeus is. Is sowing chaos to uh, make the a bunch of the Greeks die and punish Ag- Agamemnon because Achilles is mad because Agamemnon stole his yeah his toy. Pretty good, pretty good where stuff. We are, where we are so far, yeah. Um, and so everybody comes back. Um, everyone has laughed at their sighties because he stinks, and they have agreed <laughs> to fight, and they are gonna like organize themselves into like battalions based on where they've come from. And then the poet says to the muse, what does the poet say? Uh, the poet says to the muse, now tell me muses who have your houses high on Mount Olympus for you are goddesses and you are here and you know everything. You see it all while we only while, while we can only listen to the stories. We have seen nothing and we do not know who were the lords and leaders of the Greeks. I could not tell or name the multitude, not even if I had 10 tongues, 10 mouths, a voice that never broke, a heart of bronze. Had not the Olympian muses, who are daughters of Aegis-bearing Zeus, made me aware of how many came to Troy, I catalog only the captains and the ships they brought. I love Ten Tongues, Ten Mouths. That's one of my favorite ten lines. Tongue. That's one of my... the While we're talking about like ways to say that a number is big, my, yep. fav, my favorite <laughs> in this book is earlier, where Agamemnon is talking about how many more Greeks there are than Trojans. Okay. And he says... Uh, if both sides, the Greeks and Trojans, could agree to swear firm oaths and offer sacrifice and count how many Trojans live beside their hearths, and all of us were grouped in sets of ten, picking a Trojan man for every group to pour our wine, then many groups would lack a server. By so much, I say, we Greeks outnumber all the Trojans living here. <laughs> so even ten to one, they wouldn't always be, they, they still couldn't make that ratio work. because That so restaurant would be backed up. Um, and then we get the so this is called the catalog of ships. That's what yep. it's known as, like in scholarly circles. Yep. If mm-hmm. you want to read more about it, mm-hmm. it's very. It's got a little bit of like the sections of the Bible where people just begat other people, and yep. they go on That's like true. that for a while. It's got a little bit of the Sir Mix-a-Lot Jump on It song where he's just naming cities where all his hoes live, and he's just you know he's just naming all those cities to get like a response from people in the audience who are like from the cities that he's naming yes that because you can you can imagine the poet you know talking about what he's talking about uh this be where the pigeons flock platia the lush grass of hilly artists the border town of anthedon yes when when you're performing the poem if you know someone is from there you might play up that section of the poem a little bit right right yeah arn arn where rich vines grow and somebody in the in the back is like, oh, yeah, yo, yeah, the rich vines. Yo, I'm from Mycenae, the sturdy <laughs> citadel from wealthy Corinth. Yes. 
Um, the thing that's, that stuck out to me in, in how it is printed on the page here, um, so first there are like eh, like approximately like 30 groups that uh, are broken out in the poem. There are a bunch of like line breaks within this section, and if you treat each of them as a group, there's like almost 30 of them. Um, so in many of the transitions, not all of them, but in many of them, uh, Wilson has done like a shared line yeah, mm-hmm. which in iambic pentameter means you know you have ten little rhythmic beats to a line, and if you don't finish all ten beats, but you want to start a new thought or you want to pass the dialogue to another character, it's what's called a shared line. Um, so we have um, Antiphus and Phidippus, the two sons of Thessalus, the son of Heracles. With them ca- came thirty hollow ships. Period. Now from, which is which is still of the same poetic line, uh, Pelasgian Argos came the men of Aelis from Phythia to blah, 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 blah. Um, and she, she does that a lot where she has these. And I, I think that's probably, I think maybe it's part of the original poem. I have no idea. Um, but it has this like feeling, this kind of cascading feeling where like the list kind of propels itself forward. Mm-hmm. Each new entry is not like, um, take a breath and think about the next thing. It's like the poet is like looking around and like, oh yeah, and those guys are there, and oh, and those guys are there. Yeah, and, and that's how it reads. Even even if the lines weren't split up like that, it's very much like, and then there is this, and then there is this, and then there is this, and it's like one continuous thought, basically. Yes. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and I I had not remembered um, that the the Trojans also get their own list. They don't get as many yeah, lists, though. It's much less impressive. Well, <laughs> ten to one, you know, whatever. Um, um, well, not even ten to one. Yeah. <laughs> Some tables would lack a server, Craig. Fair enough. Uh, there are uh, 1,186 ships split between okay. 46 captains. Okay. That's what we're talking about. I did oh. not do the math on how many dudes that is because it just depends on how many dudes you fit in a ship. Yeah. It's possible um, you might have different styles of ship from different places, which is yeah, kind of the yeah, vibe maybe. here. Sure. Because like Achilles um, has his Myrmidon, like people have their own like dudes, like they brought their yeah. specialty units, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yes, right. They spammed <laughs> them back at the town center, and then they brought them all on the ship. <laughs> Did you have any part? Because okay, so most of it's just like dudes and ships, right? Yep. But then every once in a while, the uh, spoken to by the muse, the poet decides he wants to share with us a little like little factoid about this or that yeah. individual person. Were there any of them that you thought were really, really funny? Because oh, I've I don't got know. one. <laughs> I don't know that any that I noted any that were particularly funny. Let me share I mean, did mine. You, did were there any that you liked then? Yeah, no. There's I've one got that one I that I thought was funny. But what else? Do and you then like? no. Yes, I will get mine out of the way because you have funny ones. Um, the the one that I rec- that I recognized was from a, a Sophocles play about a guy named Philoctetes. Okay. Um, from Meliboa and Nathone, rugged Olazon and Thamasia came men led by Philoctetes, skillful with his bow in seven ships. In each were fifty rowers, all talented at archery and combat. But Philoctetes lay in agony on holy Lemnos, where the Greeks had left him. A deadly water snake had wounded him. He lay there suffering, but soon the Greeks beside their ships would once again remember Lord Philoctetes. And, they, you know, there's a little bit more about that. That play is really cool. There's a couple different versions of it out there. There's one by Seamus Haney called uh, uh, The Cure at Troy. And it's about, like, I don't know, this guy got bit by a snake, and they 
didn't think that they could handle him crying so bad on the boat, so they just left him there and didn't bring him <laughs> to the war. Uh, there's a lot of modern reads about like dealing with veterans and stuff that that make that play really interesting. But also, there's this magic bow that like Hercules's bow or Heracles's bow is on that island, and Neptolemus has to go there and get it. It's a cool uh-huh. play. Uh-huh. Um, so I was like glad to see Philoctetes in the list. What made you giggle or chortle? The, the one I liked a lot was this guy, Th- Thamyris. Okay. Is that how you pronounce that? Sure. Uh, Thamyris boasted that he could even win against the muses if they, the daughters of the High King Zeus, the god who bears the ages, sang against him. In rage, they mutilated him and robbed him of godlike song and forced him to forget the liar. <laughs> <laughs> that rules. <laughs> Just like... And and I, I like this for a couple of reasons. One is that we're getting this from the muses. And so clearly the muses still have an axe to grind with yep. this guy and just want everyone to know that they kicked his butt. Yep. yep, yep but yep. then just like the punishment for what he did is not to like strand him on an island, not to kill him, not to like physically hurt him some way in some way. It's just like one day he woke up and he didn't know how to play guitar anymore. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you did it too good and you were too audacious about it. Mm-hmm. Stop. Yeah, you were rude, and you did not respect us, even though you play the liar by our, you know, it's our will that you play the liar. We're the yep. muses. I love it. So now what if you forgot how to play a guitar? <laughs> you just couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a fun list, and you're right. I think it gives, like, the the poet or the reader, like, fun opportunities for performance to either, like, you know, give shout-outs or to lift up these individual stories um, I feel like you could, if you were the contemporaneous poet, you might like add a few if you thought people might dig. Like this is a good spot to like riff, you know, if the mm-hmm. crowd is really on your side. Yeah, 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 or just depending on where you're performing. Yeah, the yeah. the poem. Yeah, bust out your like you know your your pencil tucky type five. You mm-hmm. know, if you're in the Catskills or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, as we said, Isis goes and tells uh. Well, she pretends to be like one of Priam's sons or something like that. And she tells, pretends to be Hector, doesn't she? Oh, well, no, she talks to Hector because Hector is the one who's like, oh, Hector. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Hector, it's... who realized a goddess had been speaking. My Priam's son, Priam son, Polides. <laughs> there you go. There you Swift go. at sprinting. Yes. Um, Hector, who realized a goddess had been speaking is one of my favorite lines that's, in the whole yes, poem so far. Yeah, that's, yes, and it's right. like, oh, you're no, right the then. Greeks are coming. They're getting ready. We got to get ready. Uh, we're gonna go out and fight, and I we think... got the then we got the catalog of boys. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, just mo- most of the things that sprung out to me in the catalog of boys was just we get some, we do get one little snarky aside. One brother came to war dressed in gold ornaments, just like a girl. Those baubles did not save his life. Poor fool. Oh boy. <laughs> um, but uh, we also. We get, I mean, there there are lots of little lines of foreshadowing in this, and I don't think you would really even call them foreshadowing because I think the you know the listener of this poem would know, yeah, the broad yeah. strokes of what was what was coming. So you're not like trying to build suspense in in any meaningful way, but you just get little bits like, you know, we we talk about. Uh, Chromius and Enemus, a seer who could interpret birds, but augury could not protect him from his black death and fate. Swift-footed Lord Achilles' hands killed him in that same river where he massacred all of those other Trojans. So, like, we're several books from any massacring. Yeah. And yet, 
but here's this one guy. Here's this one and dude out of got. all of these dudes. He's going to get killed by yep. Achilles. And also Achilles is going to massacre a lot of other Trojans. There's going to be a river there. It's going to be a whole scene. Well, which is interesting to think about because so far Achilles is only really mad at the Greeks. Yeah. So you got to figure out how that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and the last like patronymic or epithet. Epithet is really the word I was looking for. Yeah, epithet's for. the word you want. Because um, patronymic is just the son of stuff. Um, epithet that I had not really remembered. I, I was familiar with swift-footed Achilles. Um, but the one that stood out to me in this read is it something like his fate races after him. Or the, you know, like Achilles whose fate is always running behind him or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just the various ways that the poem and then Wilson's translation is like, yeah, this guy is like, he's really not far from the end of what he's here to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's coming for him. Mm-hmm. And so like all of the decisions he's making, you have to think about the fact that like, he's not he's not going to get old. Stuff, something's going to happen first. Mm-hmm. Um, so that stood out to me. That's cool. Yeah. But yeah, that's book one and book two, Andrew. That's books one and two. I don't really know what's going to happen right away next because we just had a big long list i think there's i think there's a little bit more exposition to come yeah and but you know there's probably going to be some funny stuff in there it is if i went back and read one of the older iliad translations that i've read before and i was really like reading it with my full brain and like trying to pay attention to it and reading it with a highlighter. Henry wants to know why I keep coloring in this book and if I could let him color in it. (laughs) That's funny. Are you drawing lines? (laughs) Henry. Can you turn the page, please? (laughs) Um, I'm sure I would notice funny parts in that too, but Wilson I don't know. It's I, I, I my, this was my experience of her of her Odyssey too. Yep. Is that I I just found it I was finding it easier to read which made it easier for me to pick out little textured yeah. surfaces among all the pro like if you're just reading the catalog of ships it's really easy to treat it like a song in a Tolkien novel like it is just yeah. there to be kind of skimmed and skipped over. Yeah, totally, totally. Especially totally. on like subsequent read-throughs, but there are just I don't know. There, I noticed every little bit of variation from the, you know, from the list. In this, it helps in that the case. list. Yeah. It helps that the list is not uniform. Like each item in the list is not uniform in length. Like some passages are just like I don't know. Ajax had some guys. Oh, here's the other Ajax. You know, like it. It is not. Uh, Here's ten lines about each boat, mm-hmm. which which does help. But yeah, I think you're right. Wilson's writing in particular is just easier to like. Let me just like, you know, kind of you know, sit down inside of this one chunk of the list and see what's going on here. It's yeah. a little yeah, easier yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. I hate when I'm reading something old and I have to like figure out why it's funny. It's just so frustrating. <laughs> This is one of the hardest things about enjoying old things. Yeah, that's that's you're not going to get translations of Shakespeare really per se. I mean, I'm sure there are people who have tried to go through and there like, are large projects them. where people have done um, similar things. Yes, but yeah, like I both find it helpful and super frustrating when you read those versions of Shakespeare that have the like annotations in line. 
Yeah. So that yeah, you yeah, can yeah. like, so they're like, they're like genius lyrics. You can, so you can understand like all the old timey <laughs> references to like weird yeah. nobles and whatever. Yeah. So you yeah. know why it's funny, but it is, it's nice to read a thing like this and just like know why it's funny because it is rendered in a way that is funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For real. <laughs> that, that registers to me as a humor. Here in, in our year, 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's it. Thanks everybody for listening to our first to our first episode of the Iliad proper with the first two books of the book or the poem, whatever. Uh, and what do we say at the end of every episode of Stop Homer Time? See you next time, dog face. <laughs>everybody welcome to stop homer time my name is craig it's a my name pod- is andrew <laughs> <laughs> i was so excited about the trojan war i forgot what order i say anything i mean this book is just also really interested in in telling you about people and their names and what they're my doing. name is craig lover mm. of the book uh that's my epithet my name is andrew born of zeus uh i <laughs> sit good I'm good. I'm an accomplished sitter. Ooh, the one who sits well. Yes. Uh, this is our mini podcast within the podcast Overdue, a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. We're here talking about the Iliad uh, a few books at a time, typically two. Typically two. This typically time again, two. it's two. Last time it was books one and two. This time it's books three and four. Yep. Things start to Things start to pop off in these two. Yeah, they do pop off. Just to remind you, in case uh, you just decided, let's start at episode two of Stop Overtime. Uh, last time we, you know, met the Trojan War. We just got our, you know, just got our hands around it. Just figured out what's going on here. Yeah, we met it. We met the war. Um, Achilles, be- oh, f- swift-footed warrior, big, beautiful man, uh, got big mad. Yep. Cried to his mommy. Um, yeah, cried to his mommy after fighting with Agamemnon, and he cursed the Greeks. And Zeus said, "Yeah, I'll I'll suck it to him." And the fighting started. <laughs> well, the fighting was going to start. The fighting was going to start, and then it didn't start. But, and, and then, then we, we got the then we got a long list of ships yes, and boys. The catalog of ships and the catalog of chariots and all the all the ships and the boys. So, so. we say that the fight almost started. But then it doesn't, because what happens in book three, Craig, Gifts of the Goddess. Gifts of the Goddess. Let me give you a top-level summary so you know what's going on. Spurred on by the gods, the Greeks and the Trojans are getting ready for a good old-fashioned rumble. As the armies approach, pretty boy Paris steps out from the crowd, attracting the attention of the cuckold Menelaus. Paris hides, of course, until Trojan hero Hector calls him a wuss after which Paris agrees to duel Menelaus one-on-one for Helen and, I guess, the entire Trojan War. Yeah. Uh, and th- honestly, this seems like this seems to me like a decent way to resolve it because it's, a, it's a, you get the impression that a lot of these guys really don't want to be here. Yeah. Just multiple times throughout these books. There's anyway, one or two moments in this book in particular that feel like, why didn't we do this nine years ago? Yeah, or how has a lot this of that. not happened yet? Mm-hmm. Um and I even I found one or two like moments from Emily Wilson in her notes, even referencing like this is kind of a poetic invention. <laughs> um, uh, the two boys hurl spears at one another, and Paris is almost in big trouble before Aphrodite swoops in to protect him. 
The Greeks are mad about that, but also pretty sure that Menelaus won, so Agamemnon demands that they be treated like the victors. That's the that's the whole thing of book three there. Andrew, yeah, there's what, kind of been like this this truce called like they swear these oaths, which will be come yeah. back in the next book, um, where they're just going to get together and sort of parlay and try to figure out a way to resolve the Trojan War without everybody having to kill everybody. Like, what if one guy killed another guy instead? Yes, because it, they're the reason we're all here anyway. <laughs> I like the sequence at the top of this book where like Paris steps out, kind of peacocking a little bit, mm-hmm. and then Menelaus. Friend of Ares, which I thought was a fun epithet. Mm-hmm. Um, he approaches and Paris gets scared, right? And I like all the stuff where Hector's like, What are you doing, my guy? You Pathetic suck. Paris, womanizer, cheat. You are the very best at looking pretty. <laughs> oh, I wish that you had never lived or died unmarried. That would be far better than life as such an object of contempt. He says at one point that the Trojans, quote, would have dressed you in a shirt of rocks for all the evils you have perpetrated. Yeah. It means death by stoning, but just shirt of rocks is a really That's cool, yeah. pretty Yeah, cool. we'll talk a little bit at the end of book four about some of the just the different ways that Emily Wilson tells you that somebody died. Yeah. I mean, I guess Homer's telling us, but speaking through the muse that is Emily Wilson. That is true. And as you said earlier, Andrew, everyone is excited about this plan when... Paris is like, listen, okay, I will duel him. It's fine. I'll do it. And I do just wonder why it took nine years to get here. Yeah. Now, the one thing, one one last thing about this this little Hector-Paris exchange. Yo, we yeah. talked about Hector yelling at Paris. We didn't talk about what Paris says back to, to Hector, which is like, yeah, I'm pretty, but... <laughs> glorious <laughs> gifts that glorious gifts that come from gods that they themselves have given must not be thrown away although no human chooses them willingly yeah listen the gods made me this pretty and so i just have to be a pretty boy it's so it's very important because otherwise i'm offending the gods <laughs> that's the thing i was like yeah i ate your your lean pockets and it's because the gods wanted me to. They wanted me to be full of this pepperoni energy. And so they they wanted me to eat your Hot Pockets. And I didn't even put them in the little, like, the foil microwave sleeve. I just ate them. Because I like it when there's a little cold, like, a little cold bit in the middle. <laughs> this reminds me of a time in college, Andrew. Oh, is this the Texas Toast? It is. It's when I came home from an acapella rehearsal and found that Many of my friends were eating my Texas toast out of the freezer, and yeah. I don't think that they had even heated any of it up. I mean, it was it was a, cra- a pack, if you will, of like twenty and twenty one year olds, young men, and like applying heat to food is not something that we did a lot. And I, and I do believe a similar excuse was simply it was there for the taking. It was there for the taking. Like, and the gods made me hungry, and your toast was there, and so who I didn't you, want to offend the gods. Who are you to refuse a gift from the gods? Your gift being your hunger and my Texas toast. Understandable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Glorious gifts that come from gods that they themselves <laughs> they themselves have given must not be thrown away. Although no human chooses them willingly. I did not willingly eat that Texas toast, but probably Papa John's was close. So that's where we were. I, I do like that this kind of pops off because like both armies approach and Hector's like, before any of us fight, I have to yell at my dirtbag brother for a second. Yeah. Um, which is a fun way to start any war. Mm-hmm. 
but no, they agree to this duel. They do like a whole sacrifice about it. At this, the Greeks and Trojans were delighted. They hoped the agonizing war would end. Just throwing in a evidence that as a as a body of people, the Greeks and Trojans do not want to to do yes. this particularly. Uh, and then we get this scene with uh, we move back to into Troy proper. Iris, the goddess who's been popping in and out of Troy to like deliver messages, goes and talks to Helen and is like, "Yo, your boys are gonna fight." And <laughs> Helen's like, "Man." I don't know that I like either of these guys. I guess yeah, Menelaus what's your, was what's cool. Your, what's your read on Helen? Because like most, I mean, there's a lot of self-loathing from Helen in here. Mm-hmm. This is this is our one. I think in these two books, our one instance of dog face is when yes, uh, Helen is calling herself a dog face. Yes, 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 yes. And she like simultaneously seems to regret leaving Menelaus, but also she does boink Paris once yeah. Aphrodite like sweeps him into her chambers and vice well, versa. And in between that, she uh, kind of argues with Aphrodite a little bit. And she's like, what is oh, yeah, your she, she make Aphrodite mad. And, yeah. And Aphrodite's like, shut up. I'm a god. Stop complaining. Mm-hmm. So uh, Helen, like, I don't know, Helen. Stubborn girl, you must not make me angry or in my rage. I will abandon you and start to loathe you as with as deep a passion as I have loved you as my friend till now. Whoa. I shall devise a strategy and make you loathe and abort by both the Greeks and Trojans, and you shall die a dreadful death. So no, I mean, no pressure, though. <laughs> you yeah, do what she, you want. You do what you want, girl boss. Helen seems like she's in a tough spot, to put it Do you think Aphrodite's lightly. a girl boss? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Definitely. I think I think Aphrodite likes to girl boss more than like Athena does. Athena's yeah. just like, you know, she doesn't she just is she just does her thing. Mm-hmm. I think Aphrodite Athena's is a Athena's a cool girl and Aphrodite is a girl boss. <laughs> but she's one of the girl bosses who pulls the ladder up behind her and doesn't help other women. Yes. To get up to the girl <laughs> boss level. Yeah, definitely. Can we do more like like early twenty ten? <laughs> anyway, could continue. I mean, there's a lot of gods gaslighting people yeah. here, and and the Trojans are gatekeeping. Basically, let's mm-hmm, think about mm-hmm. that the whole time. Um, <laughs> so Iris talks to Helen. It's like this duel's gonna happen. Hela goes to the sky and gates to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. This is referred to in Emily Wilson's notes as the. The Takascopia, something okay. the, the watching from the wall, basically. Superscopia. Yeah. And she finds um Priam, King of Troy. Mm-hmm. Uh and they they <sighs> Priam's hanging out with some other guys, and none of them talk about how pretty Helen is, which is a big deal, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh and then Prime's like, a b- bunch of guys who've recently been in a sexual harassment training yeah. module. Like yes. they, they, have, they yes. are on high alert for getting um, canceled. These these old men of Troy. Uh and Prime's just kind of like, hey, can you Helen, who's that guy out there? They yeah. play a game of who's that guy out there, mm-hmm. which they're just identifying all the Greek soldiers that are out on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. 
this war has been going on for nine years. Nine years. And you don't like you can't you don't know the Ajaxes to look at him like, come on. What is going on here? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's because he's like not with it. I I think it is just an invention of the poem. This is what Emily Wilson says. She says it's, it's so it's so yeah, it's re- I'll, I will say my thing and then you can say Emily Wilson's thing just because my my off the dome thing is like it very like purposely purposefully begins in the middle but then because it's still the beginning of a story you have yes. to do all this like beginning of a story stuff yes she says um in her in her like footnotes it allows the poet to present this late moment in the war as if it were the beginning and to introduce the listener to many of the characters who will prove important to the greek side uh yeah i mean that's that that is what it does yeah, it is just if you think about it just a little harder, it's, <laughs> it's kind of weird that, you know, like I watch baseball all the time. It's and true, if I had watched it for nine years and then I asked you to come over and be like, who are those guys? Who are those guys <laughs> on the field? What are their names? Uh huh. That'd be kind of strange. It would be. So, OK, let me let me play Prime's Advocate here. Oh, please. I love this game. It does not seem like these guys have been doing a whole lot for these nine also, years. Also, okay, fair point. Yes. And so maybe Prime was just like, are these guys still here? It's just like <laughs> when you're watching a, a new TV show or something for the first time, yeah. you still don't know like who all the main characters are. It's like, okay, do I need to know? Do I need to remember <laughs> this guy's name or what? Like, is he going to be I back? Watched, or <laughs> I watched the start. I watched the start of, this will date when we recorded this. I watched the start of season four of Moon Show tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for all mankind, mankind on apple, apple tv, TV. Yeah. um and there's a scene with some new characters in it and i had to turn to laura and be like do we know these people do we know like, who these I guys are yeah <laughs> i don't know if i know these people mm-hmm. um maybe that's what prime is experiencing that's interesting that's a good yeah. read okay yeah um, um then the last the, the last thing in book three i i highlighted is again just like th- this war always see that there are so many little things that happen that just like point to its sort of futility and, and pointlessness almost, or like the, the, the pettiness of it. Uh, indeed the Trojans all detested Paris as if he were black death. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So here's like, here's this guy, this idiot who's, fault this substantially like is mm-hmm. <laughs> and every and every and i'm not sure if everybody hates him because of that or they hated him before and this is just like well paris is at it again <laughs> but man must suck to have your city raised for a dude that you hate yes your, yeah <laughs> so and that what i love about that line I, I bookmarked that line also it comes out of so okay so they the fight happens paris and menelaus do a duel Mm-hmm. Um, I love that they summon Prime to the battlefield so that he can like bless it and watch or whatever. And he's like, "No, too stressful. Have to leave." Um, <laughs> I just learned these guys' names. This is too much. For <laughs> I me. can't. No, I already can't did do something it. today. <laughs> um, Agamemnon lays out the terms. There's a sacrifice to the gods. They draw lots, which is fun. They, I, I think Emily Wilson said it's probably like sticks or rocks inside of a helmet. Mm-hmm. And like one of them is notched and one of them isn't, and that's how you, you know, determine who wins. Um, so they like shake a helmet and then a rock falls out, and that means that Paris gets to throw a spear first. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they exchange spear throws. Paris is uh, he? I mean, he hits Menelaus' shield, but nothing happens. Menelaus slightly wounds Paris, but doesn't get him. His sword shatters on Paris's helmet, which is, I guess, a sign that Zeus has forsaken him or something. <laughs> uh, so he's not anything to do with like eighth century BC metallurgy. You know, it's fair, because fair Zeus, enough. Zeus has forsaken you. <laughs> um, and so he's dragging Paris around by his helmet. Aphrodite swoops in, snaps the helmet strap so that that doesn't work anymore, and then whisks uh, Paris away. Uh, he co- covers him in mist, so the Greeks don't know where he is. Mm-hmm. Whisks him away to Helen, where Helen calls him a coward. He's like, "No, you don't understand." Yeah, sure, but you don't understand. Let's bone. They uh-huh. do. They do. Um, and that mist is there, and that's when like Menelaus can't find him, and the poet says something like, "The Trojans aren't hiding him," and. They wouldn't because they hate him. And that's where the Black <laughs> Death line comes in, which is great. Mm-hmm. And then the book ends with Agamemnon being like, all right, well, Menelaus clearly won this duel. So uh, you give up Helen plus interest, all the spoils. Okay. I was thinking, like, what is like 2.3% yeah. women compounded monthly? Uh-huh. <laughs> um. And like, and the quote I liked is, the Greeks approved the words of Agamemnon. Yeah. The Greeks will remember this. Yeah. So that's book three. <laughs> book four, Andrew, hit me. <laughs> there's a thing, there's a joke in both of The Simpsons and Futurama mm. where uh, a, Homer or Bender will say something and then there will be, they, like, they will try to simulate murmuring uh-huh. Where they'll be like, rrr, 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 yeah, Homer's right. <laughs> <laughs> and when, when I read the Greeks approve the words of Agamemnon, I see Agamemnon being like, oh, yeah, we should listen to Agamemnon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's great. <laughs> and it pans over and it's just Agamemnon. Yeah, it's just okay. Agamemnon behind a, behind a shield. <laughs> um, all right, book four, First Blood. First, whoa, Rambo. Yeah, we're getting we're getting into it. All right, the gods are all chilling and observing the scene below. They briefly discuss whether they should allow the Greeks and Trojans to make peace, but Hera takes umbrage because she has worked really, really hard on destroying Troy. Yeah, and it would be has. really mean if if they didn't <laughs> let her do Stopped it. Stopped her. <laughs> uh, so Athena goes down and gets some idiot to fire an arrow at Menelaus, which doesn't kill him but does injure him and inflames hostilities. Uh, because the Greeks all think the Trojans have broken their their oaths, like the the oaths of peace they all swore yes. to like do this parlay before the duel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Greeks again, as in I think book two, are not thrilled about the prospect of resuming fighting. But Agamemnon goes around and yells at everybody really good until they're ready to fight. We kind of get a sequence of Agamemnon walking around, sort of sort of whipping people up, just negging people, <laughs> just negging a lot of people. Yeah, he checks in with like a few specific Greek leaders. Uh, he gets into a little, like, a bit of sniping with Odysseus briefly, mm-hmm. but then walks away before it can escalate. <laughs> Good job, Agamemnon. Um, and the Greeks eventually start marching. Uh, they marched in total silence because they were so frightened of their leaders was the the line yes, that I yes. liked a lot. And then almost immediately after that, by contrast, we see a louder, like, messier Trojan horse, which is not unified. Uh, Trojan host. Man. Whoa. Got H H words after Trojan. That horse hard to say anything else. (laughs) No, the horse is not in the book. It's not in the book. 
uh, we see a messier, louder Trojan host, which is not they're specifically called out for not being unified by quote a common tongue or accent or dialect. Just kind of like even though the Greeks yeah. are from all over the place, it's still like they're more of a unified front than the yeah. Trojans are. Wilson called that out in her notes, being like. And yet we also know that the poem is this mishmash of Greek, yada, yada, yada. And we also know, like, in book three, they're, like, swearing oaths to the same gods. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. not even, they don't even have, like, a different pantheon or anything. Yeah. Uh, and then the two armies meet, and boy, does it get messy pretty quick. It does get messy. And that's that's pretty book four. quick. Mm-hmm. That is book four, First Blood. What do you think of this Olympus scene? It's kind of messed up. <laughs> I kind of. I think all the Olympus stuff is so funny, honestly. It's so wild. <laughs> it's so it's so busted. Like it the what is it? Hera, you're the very worst of all the children of our and, and so what Zeus has done, and maybe you know, maybe he's being genuine, maybe he's not, because Zeus is a, a tricky guy himself. Yes, yeah, he, he is. Uh and Hera is always scolding him. You know, they've got this relationship that we've established as mm-hmm. being very honeymooners-ish. <laughs> uh and uh, Zeus says, shall we rouse, rouse up terrible war and bitter strife again, or should we reconcile the warring sides? And Hera says, you're the very worst of all the children of our father Cronus. <laughs> what have you said? How could you make my labor useless, a pointless struggle to no end? What about all my hard work, all my sweat? I drove my chariot horses to exhaustion, gathering this great army to bring ruin to Priam and his children. Well, go on, do it. But not a single other god will speak in favor of your choices. God. Everyone will, everyone will think you're stupid if you don't let me destroy this city and all the people in it. This sitcom and, marriage. I know we talked about it last episode, but like every time. It's got like such high stakes. Yeah. You know, where where in a in like a nineties like married with children kind of uh-huh. situation, it would be about leaving the toilet seat up and here it's about like destroying a city full of people. And she and her argument is that she is pot committed. Like yeah. she has already yeah. expended so much energy. She's done a lot of work. And Hera, this is a sunk cost fallacy, yeah. by the way. Well, fair enough. And Zeus's response is okay. She probably would not not uh, enjoy my no uh, implying that she has fallacies. She would turn you into like a toadstool or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And Zeus's response is basically okay, fine, but next time I want to kill a city that you love, you gotta shut up. <laughs> let me do it. So let us compromise in these decisions, he said. <laughs> and they're, they're they're both basically fine with that like they, she, she's like yeah i find that i find that agreeable that's okay yeah so they're gonna send athena down to mess with people did this stand out to you andrew and i i don't know the poem well enough to know if this is a choice of wilson's or if it is just the thing itself mm-hmm. is when um, Hera says, now quickly send Athena to the field of dreadful carnage. She must try to make the Trojans violate the sacred odes. Let them initiate hostilities against the arrogant Greeks. Mm-hmm. And then Zeus is like, okay, I will do that. And he turns to Athena and he says, hurry to the armies and join the Greeks and Trojans. Try to make the Trojans violate the sacred odes. Let them initiate hostilities against the arrogant Greeks. It reminds me of the like very purposeful repetitions from, I think, book two yeah with the dream stuff with the dream stuff and i just i'm fascinated by this she i mean she 
talked a little in the translator's note, right, about repetition and yeah, and yeah. how to a modern reader, repetition can sort of read like, well, somebody doesn't know how to use a thesaurus, do they? Sure. Like it's, it's yeah. Not, it's not encouraged necessarily to repeat a word, but if you're if you're thinking of it as a spoken poem, and especially as a spoken yep. poem yep. where probably i mean i gotta imagine there's a little bit of vamping in this thing if you're if you're reading it out loud from memory like if you can have little chunks of it that you can you can kind of repeat to draw people's attention to something you know that's that, true that makes it lends it importance yeah the mm-hmm. uh, and and to that end it it i'm struck by the fact that the two times we've encountered it it has been like gods speaking Specifically, Zeus telling people to do stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there, there is something to the repetition lending power to the gods thing. That's interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is probably I, my favorite. My favorite line in this book is the next thing that happens is when with Pandarus, with Pandarus, and P- Athena goes down. Yeah, was like, hey, uh, why don't you shoot an arrow at Menelaus? Yep. That I think that'd go great. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So spoke Athena, and her words persuaded the mindless mind of Pandarus. Yeah. <laughs> It's the best line. It's really great. I mean, I I didn't think I would find a line I liked more than Dogface, but Mindless Mind, yeah, that implies a sort of a a lunk-headed, beefy boy who doesn't really, (laughs) who is particularly easily persuaded to do the stupid, stupid thing. In her footnote, she says that this wordplay is based on the Greek uh, wordplay where phrene or phrenai mean like organs of sense, P-H-R-E-N-A-I, just like, you know, your own faculties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then there's a word, aphronos, meaning foolish or lacking in phrenai. And those are the things in the poem. So she's like, well, I can just say mindless mind, <laughs> which is like really succinct and hilarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh So the arrow wounds Menelaus, but it does kind of a magic bullet thing. Yeah, Athena goes and like kind of protects him, but she's like, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna send it through his belt buckle. I'm gonna send it through his letter belt. I'm gonna make it so it doesn't go in all the way, but I am gonna make it so it makes him get blood all over the place and makes all the Greeks really upset, especially Agamemnon." Yes, the th- the thing that strikes me about this passage, this is book, this is page eighty in the in the printed edition, um, line somewhere in the one sixties. Um, is that this is all in the second person to Menelaus. Did you catch that? <laughs> no, I didn't. So she said, so the, the arrow gets thrown or, or shot rather, um, twanged. And the poet says, but Menelaus, you were not forgotten by the deathless gods. Athena first, the one who hunts for spoils. The child of Zeus stood right in front of you, protecting you against the piercing arrow. And then it describes, you know, how she allowed the magic arrow to do its thing. She brushed it, brushed it from his skin as light as a gesture as when a mother, as light a gesture as when a mother strokes away a fly to keep it from her baby sweetly sleeping. And, and that's and, that's something we get a lot in this this book that we yeah. can talk more about once the death stuff starts. Is like every once in a while you will just like break for an extended metaphor that is yep <laughs> that has nothing to do with. I mean, yeah, just it doesn't. Yeah, it metaphor, doesn't. Long yeah, metaphors, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then like after it describes where this arrow goes, it does like. You know, it doesn't actually hit him in the chest. It hits him in, like, the hip in a way that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> um, and then it says, Menelaus, so 
were your handsome thighs all stained with blood, so were your handsome calves and shapely ankles. Love shapely ankles. My shapely but, ankles. Um, I did. If look- I ever, if, <laughs> if <anything laughs> like this ever happens to me, I need you to run over. Like if I'm like bleeding <laughs> out in the street because somebody shot an arrow at me, I need you to run over and be like, "There's blood on your shapely ankles, <laughs> my dear friend." So Wilson says. Um, she says that in the Odyssey, there is only one passage that is written in the second person. It's to Eumaeus, the swineherd. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Um, and that in the Iliad, it is largely confined to characters like Menelaus and Patroclus. Um, she says that some scholarship is like, ah, yada, yada, what does it matter? Eh. Uh, alternatively, you could say that it is about. it is typically reserved for characters who are not like the main characters in the story. Not, like the, the, not the guy, but they're like emotionally resonant for the yes. guy. Yeah. Like Menelaus relative to like Paris or Agamemnon, Patroclus relative to Achilles. And so like the poet kind of brings those characters closer to themselves and to the listener uh, by using this second person thing, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've got a, yeah, it's, it's always hard to know, especially with something that comes down to us from so far, like from so long ago that sometimes even putting aside like the authorship question and like the anachronisms that are already kind of built into the poem, like what is like transcription error on the part of some scribe? Like, you know what is, (laughs) I know that, that Wilson said in, in the intro and in her translators note, like that's a, that's a thing that she, considered and it's a thing that scholars consider when you know thinking about what the what the canonical greek version of the poem is but oh yeah yeah it's always so hard to read intent into things i i liked i like to do it i i like that read of this but i can also you know i i can sympathize with you if you're just like yeah i mean how much you know how how purposeful is this really i don't know yeah the the thing that strikes me is is she is also as she says in her translator note like someone who likes reading this out loud and performing it so if it's different, like you got to make a choice like mm-hmm. that. That is what is interesting about it to me um, as a text. And yeah, where it comes from, who the heck knows? Um, Agamemnon gives this weird speech where he's like, Menelaus, yo, don't die or I'll be so sad. I'll give up and I'll go home. <laughs> what was that about? I guess there, uh, there got to be at least a couple of Greeks in the back of the crowd being like, yeah, maybe he could die. Maybe, maybe Menelaus could die. Then I, I get to go home. And then there's an extended sequence where they summon a doctor. Yes. Makayan. And then this is another little bit of repetition, I think, right? Like glory for him, but pain and grief for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, talking about the person who shot Menelaus. Yeah, glory for him and pain and grief for us because Menelaus is bleeding all over his ankles over here. <laughs> he's going to be fine. Let's yeah, be clear. He's gonna be fine. Yeah, because the doctor us. comes over and puts his mouth on an open wound and <laughs> sucks all the blood out. So gross. Yeah. Uh, and to me, it was kind of wild that, like, it didn't just immediately devolve into fighting right there. Yeah, yeah you got it. You got to. I mean, everybody had been. Yeah, they swore these oaths. They're yeah. like, well, maybe, maybe just these two guys have to fight. So you gotta you gotta whip them back up into a into a frenzy again. 
but when he saw men shirking from the danger of hateful war, he scolded them in anger. You Greeks are a disgrace. You are all talk. Why are you not ashamed? Why are you standing bewildered? Just like fawns when they get tired from running far across the plain and stop, and none of them has any drive or courage inside her heart, just so you stand there stunned, not fighting. <laughs> really, like, harsh words. Harsh words. And then, yes, as you said earlier, he goes Greek by Greek, talks to the two Ajaxes, um, which I know will come up. I know Ajax will factor into this poem. I don't know the Ajax story super well. I don't know it super well either. I, I I know Ajax mainly because if you play the Greeks in the video game Age of Mythology, he's one sure. of your hero units, but yes. I don't know which one it is. I don't know which one of the Ajaxes <laughs> that it is. Okay. I think it's probably the big one, but I I just am not sure. Um, I do like we get a check-in with Nestor, the old guy. I just love him as a 2,500-year-old, the old guy in the troop trope. Dude's probably, dude's probably like 44 years old. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Agamemnon says, Nestor, old soldier, how I wish your strength of body could still match your vigorous mind, but age the equalizer wears you down. I wish some other man was weak like you and you could still take part with younger men. And then Nestor says, um, you know, the gods do not give everything at once to humans. Then I was young. Now old weight, now old age weighs me down, but I will still accompany the horsemen and give them orders and convey advice. This is the privilege of age. My juniors, confident in their strength, will be the ones to hold and hurl their spears. So he just gets to be the guy who tells other people what happened in other fights and maybe yeah. let's, you know, learn something from it. Yeah. The the one thing in the sequence before the, like the fighting really breaks out and before like the little yeah, yeah. Odysseus bit that, that struck me was, um, so he's talking, he's talking to Nestor and he's talking specifically about like the composition of Nestor's forces. Mm, um, so mm-hmm. Nestor has the cavalry in front. Um, he has the inf- infantry to guard the rear uh, and he drove the commoners into the middle so reluctant fighters would be compelled to fight against their will. <laughs> yeah, ooh boy. So, you know, you got all, you got, you get this big catalog of ships. You got like 1,100 ships up in the sky, and you got to fill all these ships with dudes, and not all these dudes are like enthusiastic soldiers. So, what do you do is you put them in a place where they have to fight. Yep. Because fight or flight will kick in, and they can't fly because they're surrounded by horse boys and like trained infantry. So, just stick them in the middle somewhere. <laughs> I love, love the idea that there's just hundreds of just dudes just there. Like trying to, just trying to be dudes. Just guys in Hawaiian shirts, carrying a stick, just getting ready to fight. Like, they don't know what they're doing. It's all, yeah, it's all these level one guys who just started out from yes. the opening town in their life, you know? It's like <laughs> and, they've got, and you've got, you've got one, like leather shield and a and a crude club and you haven't found any weapon or armor shops yet and you just got to go out and fight a war like that well you brought up age of mythologies it like reminds me of like well i mean i guess i'm gonna go invade somebody who do i have bunch of townspeople i guess mm-hmm. yeah bring them with me the villager rush for the yeah, villager nestor <laughs> <laughs> is the expert on it huh. um then the fighting pops off and it is um it's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. What stuck out to you in the fighting, Andrew? I just kept like taking note of like something that um as the as the fighting gets started, usually when you are 
talking about gods, you know, they've got the familiar names. Oh, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. And here we've got a section with sort of personified emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, among them all were ter- went terror, panic, and insatiable conflict. These are all capped. Uh, who is the sister and companion of murderous Ares. First she swells a little, then grows until her head can touch the sky as she's traveling across the earth. Uh, so now she hurled belligerents among the throng of warriors and walked among them, increasing the men's screams and cries of pain. So not even like kind of personified insofar as she's like growing and walking and like doing, doing that kind of stuff. But it's really, you don't, you don't see, I don't think conflict like up in the, up in Olympus, like hanging out and like watching Zeus and, and Hera fight over stuff. Like this is a, something that's been like created by the emotions on the, on the battlefield. Yes. almost. Yeah. 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 And I, it, to me, it immediately just feels like it's a smoke monster just flying around, like making men <laughs> well, feel, okay. I mean, th- that's not what it is, but it is not a, to your point. I don't, I don't picture it as a hot God on Olympus. No, I picture it as a vibe sweeping over people. Yeah. I don't really think of the conflict as like a big step on me lady who, <laughs> Is walking among the Greeks, like, like you know, no, not a step on me, lady. Yeah, step on my neck. Oh Insatiable my conflict. Goodness, <laughs> sister and companion of murderous Ares. And then it, you know, and then quickly <laughs> the earth was flooded with blood, as when two opposing mountains from mighty springs, two river torrents swollen by winter storms, flow down the deep ravines and clash, collide, and mingle in the gorge, creating an enormous flood. The shepherd high on the hilltops hears the waters roar. Such was the noise of fighting and of screaming as the two, as those two armies met. Um, yeah. So yeah. Woof. So you go from, like, what have these people been doing for nine years to, oh, it's like rivers of blood yeah. flowing down from mountains, how many people are dying. And then the poem is like, let's tell you about individual guys that died. And I, yeah. I'd like, we don't need to go completely blow by blow, but it's like, you know, Imagine how guys are getting stabbed in the head and whatnot. It's very, it's very visceral, both like physically and emotionally. Like in, ter- in terms of physics, you've got the one guy um, who Odysseus kills because yes. he killed Odysseus's friend. Odysseus, enraged about his comrade, speared one side of his forehead and the tip of the bronze poked right out through the other temple. Darkness obscured his eyes. Mm-hmm. And then emotionally, like... I mean, Simoesius, like... Yes, yeah, uh, but he would never pay his loving parents back for taking care of him. His life was short. Yep. Oops. Whoops. Whoops. Pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like just a- like uh, darkness, uh, darkness covered his eyes. His body was undone. His spirit left him. Um, just the the different little way. Like you were you were going to experience a lot of individual dudes dying, and so I always. Like it always kind of catches me how like what is repeated, what is not. Like how do you how do you say that over and over again? Yep, yep, yeah. And then and then Apollo steps in because like the Trojans start to break a little bit. Like they they may roll a little bad on their Constitution save, <laughs> and Apollo is like, "Hey, Trojan horsemen, come! Do not yield the battle to the Greeks. Their bodies are not made of stone or iron. When they are struck, the bronze cuts through their flesh." Also remember that Achilles, son of Thetis with the finely braided hair, is absent from the fighting. He is sitting beside the ships and ripening his anger to cause more 
heart sickness. I think the um, only mention of Achilles in this, yeah, these two books for like I don't remember. I think so. Was, I think he maybe he's mentioned in book two. I don't remember, but like it's yeah, been the, a while. You know, the, the guy, the the guy, the poem is about. Yep. Though in here, like here, the poem is about him. Insofar as it, it it's about why he's not here, which is because yes. he's big man. He so is it's still about mad. the anger of Achilles and what it, you know, what it hath wrought. Oh, yeah. But. He he prayed to the gods, and now they are doing it. Yeah, he made this happen. Um, and then, so, you know, some more people die. Um, and uh, what, there's one line was, oh, okay, this is the end of the book. Um, yeah. And all around them, many more were killed. Now nobody could think the fighting light, not even one who somersaulted through it, unscathed, unwounded by the sharp bronze weapons. Wounded. If great Athena took him by the hand, protecting him from the barrage of arrows. So many Greeks and Trojans on that day lay face down in the dust beside each other. Boom. Boom. I mean, wound, wound it, but well. Oh, unwounded? <laughs> yeah, unwounded. Oh, dang. <laughs> I said unwounded. You want to take take that back? Now, nobody could think the fighting light, not even one who somersaulted through it unscathed, unwounded by the sharp bronze weapons. (laughs) Whoopsie doodle. (laughs) Unwounded. God's wounds. I will I will own saying unwounded. That is <laughs> okay. fine. I was giving you an opportunity to edit it out of the show, but that's no. I said it, it out loud other, with my mouth. <laughs> yeah, the same mouth that I would use to praise the muse. You, you know, know what? You know what? Bet it's bet it's happened before to some some Greek guy who was reading this poem. You know, and everybody's sitting around at the at the tables or whatever, being like, "Did he just say unwounded?" <laughs> This guy sucks. That's how you know that there must have been multiple poets, because like mm-hmm. a few of them just like never got hired again because they said unwounded and like, yeah, well, it's just like you know. okay, can we can we book the the poet <laughs> from like the good place or do we gotta go to like Poet City to hire some teenager? <laughs> you know? Okay, so what? Is, okay, so we're at book four. How you we're feeling, Andrew? Feel? I mean, we're it's we're getting into it. Yeah, we're getting into, we're getting into the fighting part. Yes. Um, but I I know we go back to Achilles. I know like Achilles and Patroclus become big deal, a big a big thing. I know yep. we get more of Hector. I just don't. I know we spend most of the book with like these other individual guys, and I don't. But I what I do not remember is the order in which these things happen, and like how much of the book actually it is. Like the I think this happened to us a lot in the Odyssey. Is just like you know parts of the story have been more absorbed into yep, the canon yep. than others and parts of them like you just remember better than others and so you misremembered like when they happen and like how big a part of the story they were i'm just i'm curious to encounter the moments i'm familiar with and and put them back into context yeah well, and these two books right up against each other the first book book three is like two pretty well-known characters paris and menelaus have a duel and then book four is like a bunch of guys you've never heard of die. Yeah. And we're going to talk to you about them, but they all die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm interested to move into a phase of the, of the poem where, you know, some, some, you know, people who are in the opening credits maybe are, are <laughs> actually have some things happen to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, but if, if you're a main character and you die, your comrades come and, strip your plot armor off and take that back or did 
I think so. And then they can yeah. put it on themselves, and maybe yeah. that will cause its own problems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> so that's it, Andrew. If folks have uh, thoughts on the Iliad, they can always send them to overduepod at gmail.com or hit us up on social media at overduepod. Uh, if folks, no, just thank the patrons. This is episode, no. This what is am the big I saying? This is, yeah, this is the one that goes out to everybody. If if folks want to know more about the show, where do they go? Overduepodcast.com is our internet website. Up there we have all kinds of links to the books that we are reading. Uh, we also have, if you want to listen to these episodes early, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash overduepod. Get access to all kinds of bonus episodes early, not just Stop Homer Time. Um, sit in on live stream recordings of different stuff. Always have a good time with those. Usually it's something a little bit a little bit lighter, a little bit goofy. The chat yep. really pops off. Our next one is going to be December. Who knows what it could be? Who knows what it could be? Wink. <laughs> Vote <laughs> on our monthly schedule. We Each month we do a book that is uh, picked by our patrons out of three options. So you could, mm-hmm. you could do that as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, yeah, patreon.com slash overduepod. Okay, Craig, I think what now happens? So on our next episode of Stop Homer Time the Iliad, I believe we are going to do three books, books five through seven. Ooh. So if you're reading along with us, plan for that. Um, And if you're not, then plan for that. Yeah, plan uh, for something else. I don't know. I'm not your dad. <laughs> Andrew, what do we say at the end of every episode of Stop Homer Time? See you later, dog face. That was a HeadGum Podcast.